Welcome to this edition of the In-Depth Analysis Podcast, where we dissect groundbreaking research to uncover the mechanics and implications of innovative studies. I am your host, Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we'll be diving into a fascinating paper titled MAX, Mass Conditioned 3D Hand and Object Motion Synthesis. This work is a significant leap in the world of 3D motion simulation. But before we get into the meat of it, let's set the stage. Absolutely, Jen. Hand-object interactions are an integral part of our everyday lives and play a crucial role in fields ranging from virtual reality to robotics. Capturing and synthesizing these motions is vital for the development of lifelike models in computer graphics and beyond. Exactly, Tom. And here's where the paper we're discussing today becomes a game-changer. Prior attempts at synthesizing 3D hand-object interactions often ignored one crucial aspect, the object's mass. This can result in motions that look unnatural because in reality, the mass of an object significantly influences how we handle it. That's where MAX comes in. It stands for Mass Conditioned 3D Hand and Object Motion Synthesis Method. A bit of a mouthful, but it's the first learning-based technique to consider the mass of an object when synthesizing interactions. Its applications are vast, including generating training data for machine learning, enhancing graphics workflows, and creating more immersive gaming experiences. In order to grasp the significance of MAX, it's important to understand some key concepts such as diffusion models, 3D hand models like GUM, and the dynamics of hand-object interactions. These will lay the foundation for understanding how MAX adds a new dimension to 3D motion synthesis. And don't worry if terms like cascaded diffusion models and contact labels sound alien to you. We'll break them down as we traverse the rich landscape of this paper. Core of the podcast, detailation of the paper. Okay, with that introduction out of the way, let's get into the core of this paper. What the research team aimed to achieve with Max was a way to synthesize hand and object motion in 3D that responds to the actual mass of the object being manipulated. They've tackled this with a method based on cascaded diffusion models. And if you're wondering what cascaded means here, think of it as a multi-stage approach where one model's output feeds into the next, building up to the final result. The research team had to consider the physical properties of objects, such as mass, and how these affect their trajectory and the hand's grasp. The hands in the simulation use a model from CUM, which is a parametric model that can represent a wide variety of hand movements and shapes. This model, when combined with the mass of the object, enables the synthesis of motions that consider how an object's weight can cause changes in the hand's grip and movement trajectories. Moving on to the methodology, they used a so-called denoising diffusion probabilistic model. Think of this as starting with a noisy version of the motion they want to generate, and then progressively refining it until they get a clean, plausible motion sequence. It's a bit like starting with a rough sketch and then slowly perfecting it into a detailed painting. By conditioning these models on mass values and specific actions, like passing an object from one hand to another, the system generates remarkably lifelike results. And these results are impressive. The system not only produces a high-quality synthesis for mass values it was trained on, but can also generalize to mass values that it's never seen before. Moreover, they've created a component that introduces believable dynamics into the motions based on the mass of the object. 
This means even when you give the system a manually drawn trajectory, it adjusts the hand motion realistically according to the preset mass conditions. Implications and applications of the paper. Let's talk about the potential impact of their findings now. Max could revolutionize the way we generate and utilize hand-object interaction data. For instance, it can accelerate the creation of more realistic virtual environments without the need for exhaustive and meticulous manual animation. It can also lead to better teaching models for AI, allowing it to understand and predict real-world physics of hand movement and object manipulation. This has clear implications for the development of dexterous robots and advanced virtual assistants. In conclusion, in conclusion, Max represents a step towards more believable and nuanced virtual worlds where the weight of an object can be as influential as its shape or texture. The beauty of this work lies in how it elegantly integrates a fundamental physical property, mass, into the domain of virtual interaction, something that's been often overlooked but is so vital for realism. The paper stands as a testament to the strength of interdisciplinary research melding concepts from computer graphics, physics, and machine learning to push the boundaries of what's possible in 3D motion synthesis. So, whether you're a developer, designer, researcher, or just someone fascinated by the intersection of technology and reality, Max offers a glimpse into a future where virtual and physical worlds continue to blend seamlessly. And that wraps up today's deep dive. Join us next time on In-Depth Analysis as we unravel another cutting-edge paper. Until then, I'm Jen. And I'm Tom. Thanks for listening and keep pondering the mechanics behind the magic. Have you ever tried miming and felt like something was missing? Like, I don't know, the actual weight of invisible objects? Then hold on to your invisible hats because we've discovered something that will change the mime game forever. Introducing Weighty Wonders, the innovative company bringing mass to your mime. Using the groundbreaking Max technology, Weighty Wonders offers you a catalog of invisible objects, each with its own realistic mass, from featherlight foam fingers to a lead-heavy loaf of bread. Imagine the look on your friend's face when you, you struggle to lift an invisible dumbbell that feels like the real deal. It's a workout and a work of art. Our patented Massomatic gloves will simulate the weight of your chosen invisible object with spine-tingling accuracy. You just pick the mass, slip on the gloves, and mime your heart out. It's perfect for parties, performance art, or just freaking out your dog. Weighty wonders. Why mime less when you can mime with mass? Order now, and we'll throw in an invisible forklift for those days when your mime act is just too much to handle. Always lift with your imaginary knees, folks. Visit WeightyWonders.com and start getting seriously silly with your miming. Weighty Wonders, where the unseen is felt. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our award-winning podcast. I'm your co-host, Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we're thrilled to take a deep dive into a fascinating topic, reinforcement learning from human feedback. That's right, Jen. We're discussing a comprehensive survey by Timo Kaufman, Paul Weng, Victor Bengs, and Eike Hüllermeyer. These researchers hail from institutions like LMU Munich and Duke Kunshan University. The paper we're examining is significant for numerous reasons. The authors give us an extensive overview of how reinforcement learning can be enhanced through human feedback, 
a method also known as RLHF. Absolutely. Jen, what makes RLHF so crucial in artificial intelligence and human-computer interaction? Well, Tom, RLHF brings a human element to the reinforcement learning experience. Instead of relying entirely on predefined reward functions, we're integrating human feedback to guide and improve the learning process. This becomes particularly important in tasks where defining a good reward function is difficult. Take, for instance, a robot helping out at home. What's the best way to quantify its performance? RLHF offers an avenue here by adjusting the learning objective based on human feedback. And what the paper also touches on is how reinforcement learning from human feedback has been pivotal in training large language models. These models have seen impressive leaps in performance, all thanks to RLHF. Indeed. The authors argue that while the focus has been on language models, the principles of RLHF can be broader, applying to various domains from robotics to gaming. Let's also consider the key concepts of RL, like the need for a reward function, the complexities of designing this function, and of course the pitfalls, like reward hacking. Exactly. The paper opens up a discussion on the transition from traditional reinforcement learning to the interactive human-influenced variant. And listeners, before we dive deeper into this, it's important to clarify some terminology. RL involves training an agent through trial and error, guided by a reward system. That's right, Jen. And when we say agents, we mean any entity that performs actions in an environment to achieve some goal, like a robot or even a piece of software. Precisely. And in RLHF, the feedback isn't just about providing direct rewards, but could involve indicating preferences, critiques, or correcting the agent's behavior. Now, with those concepts in mind, let's delve further into the paper's objectives and methodology. As for their objectives, the authors intend to outline the current state of RLHF research, describe the main approaches, and give an overview of its applications. Regarding methodology, the paper is structured to provide a historical context, define the fundamentals of RL, and lead into the concept of feedback in the RLHF framework. They cover types of feedback, challenges in sourcing human feedback, training reward models, and theoretical aspects. And a fascinating part of their findings deals with the diverse feedback types, which includes more intuitive forms like natural language and even implicit feedback. Looking at the potential implications, this research has crucial applications, Jen. For example, it might dramatically improve how intelligent systems can adapt and align with human objectives. That's a massive step for ethical AI, Tom, ensuring our smart systems act in ways consistent with human values. To wrap things up, this survey provides a clear, comprehensive view of RLHF. It's exciting to see how this can influence future research and potentially change the way we teach AI to conduct tasks. Listeners, we find this paper particularly intriguing for its relevance in an age where human-AI interaction is becoming more and more critical. It opens up new avenues for research and practical applications that could very well shape the future of intelligent systems. And there you have it. A thorough breakdown of a significant survey of reinforcement learning from human feedback. We hope you enjoyed this journey, and we can't wait to discuss more groundbreaking research in future episodes. Be sure to tune in next time. And remember, the potential of AI is vast, but it's the human touch that could make it truly remarkable. Thanks for listening, and see you on the next episode of our award-winning podcast. Are you tired of yelling at your gadgets and getting no response? 
Introducing Feedback Frenzy, the revolutionary company born from the groundbreaking research on reinforcement learning from human feedback. At Feedback Frenzy, our products don't just listen, they learn from your rants, cheers, and even your sighs of exasperation. Got a robotic vacuum that's more into wall hugging than dirt sucking? With our patented RLHF technology, a little nudge from you can turn it into the dust-busting dynamo of your dreams. Our line of feedback-friendly devices are equipped with sensors to detect your praise, your scowls, and can interpret interpretive dance if that's your thing. A microwave that cooks everything just right when you give it a thumbs up. A toaster that learns from your not-burnt-but-not-too-soft feedback. And our crowning glory, the encouragement engine. Struggling to write an email? It turns your frustrated keyboard smashes into encouragement to keep typing. So don't settle for tech that doesn't get you. Teach your tech with tender love and casual criticism. Feedback Frenzy, where your feedback fuels the frenzy of innovation. Disclaimer, Feedback Frenzy is not responsible for devices developing an emotional attachment. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of our deep dive into the fascinating world of machine learning and neural networks. That's right, Tom. And today we've got a special treat. We're discussing a paper that's making waves in the field of deep learning, training convolutional neural networks with the forward-forward algorithm. This paper is significant because it presents an alternative approach to training deep neural networks, particularly convolutional neural networks, which are a cornerstone of modern image recognition. Exactly. And the key player in traditional deep learning has been the backpropagation algorithm. It's like the backbone of neural network training, where the network learns from the errors it makes. But this paper, authored by Ricardo Scodelero, Ajinkya Kulkarni, Frauke Alves, and Matthias Schroeder from the Max Planck Institute for Multidisciplinary Sciences, proposes the forward-forward, or FF, method as an alternative. And before we dive into the FF algorithm, let's touch on some concepts that will come up during our discussion. A convolutional neural network, or CNN, is a type of deep learning algorithm which is particularly good at processing data with a grid-like topology, like images. Then, there's the concept of a loss function, which in traditional training measures how far off a network's predictions are from the actual results. The goal is to minimize this loss. There's also gradient descent, which helps adjust the network's weights to reduce the loss, and it achieves this by calculating derivatives of the loss function. All right, let's get to the core of the paper, which is really exciting. The research objective here was to apply the FF algorithm, which was previously proposed by Jeffrey Hinton, to CNNs. This approach involves passing the desired result, or the label, along with the image at the network's input. The methodology is pretty innovative. They included the labels as part of the input in a way that's compatible with the convolutional layers. It's a technique they call spatially extended labeling. And what they found was truly groundbreaking. Their FF-trained CNN achieved a classification accuracy of 99.0% on the MNIST handwritten digits dataset. That's almost as good as CNNs trained with traditional backpropagation. They also investigated how different hyperparameters affect performance and used class activation maps to see what type of features the FF algorithm learns. Moving on to implications and applications, this could be big for the field. If you can train networks without backpropagation, 
it opens up all sorts of possibilities, especially for hardware that can't implement backpropagation effectively. Plus, it could potentially offer more biologically plausible models of how real brains might learn. But what's worth noting is that they've only just begun to scratch the surface on how this can be used in practical applications. Wrapping things up, this paper has shown there's potential for an alternative to backpropagation that could reshape the future of neural network training, especially as we look at overcoming current limitations and exploring new computational platforms. I have to say, the idea that you could include the labels in the input and still achieve this level of accuracy is fascinating. It really challenges the status quo of how we've been training networks. Absolutely. It's a paper that's pushing the boundaries, and no doubt we'll see a lot more research stemming from these findings in the years to come. Thanks for joining us on this deep learning adventure. We can't wait to see where the forward-forward algorithm takes us from here. Until next time, stay curious. And keep learning. Are you ready to revolutionize your understanding of neural networks, but struggle with the complexities of backpropagation? Do you dream of a future where training your AI is as easy as teaching your grandmother to use a smartphone? Then hold on to your neurons because we've got something for you. Introducing Forward Future, the company that's launched directly from the groundbreaking pages of that nerdy but nifty research paper. Forward Future is the first company to utilize the forward-forward algorithm commercially, making training your neural network faster than a date running away after hearing you still live with your parents. No more backpropagation blues. Our patented label love technology turns the input layer into a welcoming party for both your data and labels. With just a snapshot of your desire, watch your AI bot become a know-it-all faster than you can say, please, not another cat picture classifier. Forward future, where we take the back out of neural networks and put the fun in fundamentals. Because why move backward when you can go forward twice? Visit us at forwardfuture.com and train your neural net to be as forward-thinking as you are. Terms and conditions apply. Forward Future is not responsible for any AI gaining sentience and judging your fashion choices. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our in-depth podcast episode dedicated to exploring the fascinating world of machine learning. Today, we're diving into a very special paper titled Fast NTK, Parameter-Efficient Unlearning for Large-Scale Models. This paper is authored by Gui Hongli, Shangshu, Chunfu Chen, and Radu Markulescu. It's a remarkable piece that addresses the challenges of machine unlearning, which is increasingly important in the era of data privacy and the right to be forgotten. Absolutely, Jen. Machine learning models, especially deep neural networks, DNNs, have become exceptionally good at memorizing training data. When it comes to removing data upon user request, simply deleting it from databases isn't enough. The model itself has to selectively forget this data so it no longer influences the model's behavior. That's where machine unlearning comes in, which proposes erasing this data without the need to retrain the model from scratch. Among various unlearning methods, the neural tangent kernel-based, NTK-based method stands out but suffers from high computational complexity. Let's break things down a bit for our listeners not deeply into machine learning. The neural tangent kernel concept is at the core of this paper. In simple terms, it's a sophisticated method 
that measures how changes in the model input influence changes in the model output. And to achieve unlearning, we don't want to start from scratch. It's just not practical, especially with large-scale models. So the focus is on tweaking the model only a bit so that it forgets the data we want to remove. But with large models, even a bit can be too cumbersome. And this is what our paper addresses, making this tweaking faster and more efficient. Imagine you had a massive library and had to remove a specific word from every book. Doing it by hand, book by book, would take an eternity. That's the standard unlearning process. FastNTK is like creating a specialized tool that only erases that word, but does it in seconds for each book, significantly speeding up the process. The authors propose a novel algorithm called FastNTK that incorporates parameter-efficient fine-tuning methods to reduce computational complexity dramatically. These methods only adjust certain parts of the model, like batch normalization layers in CNNs or visual prompts in vision transformers, instead of everything. In terms of the experiments and results presented in the paper, they demonstrate the practicality and scalability of FastNTK with much larger neural networks and data sets than what was possible before. We're talking about models with 88 million parameters and thousands of images. Not to forget, the researchers conducted extensive empirical work to support their claims. They fine-tuned pre-trained CNNs and vision transformers on specific data sets, applied their fast NTK unlearning method, and recorded how well it worked across various metrics. Right? And these metrics were pretty comprehensive. They looked at accuracy on the data to be retained versus forgotten, on unseen test data, and they even tracked how long it took to relearn forget said information, a testament to the effectiveness of the unlearning. Amazing, isn't it? The potential impact of the fast NTK algorithm is pretty substantial for the field of machine learning. It not only makes the unlearning process feasible for large models, but does so without compromising performance. That means machine unlearning can now be applied at scale, potentially complying with legal requirements like the GDPR. To wrap things up, the implications of this work go beyond just technical achievement. It's a step towards more ethical AI, where user privacy is respected and data can be managed responsibly. The concept of FastNTK presents a fascinating avenue for advancing machine learning towards a more privacy-conscious future. Absolutely, Tom. It's exciting to see science and tech converge to answer not just the how, but also the why, aligning with society's evolving values. FastNTK is a testament to the ingenuity inherent in the field of AI, showing with each challenge encountered, there's an innovative solution waiting just around the corner. That's all from us today. Thanks for tuning in to our deep dive on the paper FastNTK, Parameter-Efficient Unlearning for Large-Scale Models. We hope you found this episode enlightening and thought-provoking. Do reach out with your thoughts and join us next time for another fascinating look at the world of machine learning. Until then, keep thinking, keep learning, and stay curious. Goodbye for now. In a world where data privacy meets machine learning, one company rises to answer the call of the digital age. Meet Forget-Me-Not, your friendly neighborhood unlearning service, making your AI forget faster than your ex after a breakup. Did you accidentally train your AI on your diary instead of the diary of statistical anomalies? Fear not. With Forget-Me-Not's state-of-the-art fast NTK technology, your secrets will be wiped from your AI's memory faster than you can say, oops.
No more waiting for your neural networks to slog through the digital equivalent of Where's Waldo to remove that one pesky data point. Our unlearning method is so efficient, it's like giving your model a neural haircut. Snip, snip, and voila. Want to forget your data? There's an app for that. Introducing the Forget Me Not app, where the forget button is bigger than the like button on social media. At Forget Me Not, we believe in ethical AI and forgetting, responsibly. Our service makes sure your machine learning models are more respectful of personal data than your dog is of your private space. And for a limited time only, sign up with the promo code Oopsie Whoopsie and we'll throw in a free training session on not training sensitive data. So why wait? Visit us at forgetgetmonot.com where unlearning isn't just a feature, it's a fast feature because what your AI doesn't know can't hurt you. Forget me not, unlearn easy, unlearn fast, and most importantly, unlearn with a blast. Terms and conditions apply. Do not use forget-me-not while piloting a spacecraft. Welcome back to our in-depth science podcast. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we'll be delving into a paper titled A Novel Sampled Clustering Algorithm for Rice Phenotypic Data. This paper is a fascinating leap in the field of agricultural bioinformatics and could potentially revolutionize how we approach plant breeding. But before we decode this paper, let's set the stage by discussing the importance of plant phenotypic data. Plant breeding is an age-old practice where plants with desirable traits are selectively bred to create superior or new species. Right, Tom. And for any plant breeder, Clustering species based on phenotypic traits which are observable physical characteristics is a fundamental step. This clustering informs decision-making on which plants might be crossbred to enhance particular qualities like yield, drought resistance, or disease resistance. And that's precisely what makes this paper significant in its field. It proposes a novel algorithm to cluster rice species more efficiently and accurately using these phenotypic characteristics. Clustering plants accurately is a way to optimize breeding practices and ultimately aim for better crop yields and resilience. The challenge in this field has been finding a method that's both accurate and computationally inexpensive. That's where this paper introduces a new sampled clustering algorithm that, based on their findings, outperforms the current methods used in phenotypic clustering. There are some key concepts we need to highlight here. First is spectral clustering a technique regarded for its accuracy in grouping complex data. This method is based on spectral graph theory, which, in non-mathematical terms, sorts data points into clusters by ensuring the points in a cluster are close to each other. Another core concept mentioned in the paper is pivotal sampling, which is a statistically efficient way of selecting samples that are most representative of the larger data set. This saves time and computational resources. This study puts forward major improvements to the base algorithm used in their previous research on soybean. A crucial aspect is the new function they propose for building the similarity matrix in spectral clustering. They ditch the common natural exponential function for a base A exponential function, which, according to them, gives better clustering results as demonstrated by eigenvalue analysis. They also introduce an innovative scaling technique or variable scaling factor based on each data point's local statistics. 
This replaces the old fixed decay factor and thus personalizes the similarity measure between data points, enhancing the accuracy of the clusters formed. And finally, they move from using maximum function to median function to determine which species are most representative of the population. Presumably, this aligns better with the actual distribution of phenotypic traits across plant species. In their meticulous experiments with 1865 rice species, the authors show that this new sampled spectral clustering is 61% more accurate based on silhouette values, a measure of how similar an object is to its own cluster compared to other clusters. Interestingly, the paper extends to address the challenge of determining the ideal number of clusters, which is often a tricky endeavor. They use two methods, eigengap heuristic and spectral global silhouette method, which led them to choose 5, 10, 15, and 20 as possible numbers of clusters, settling on clusters of 5 for more detailed analysis. Their findings suggest that improved clustering algorithms lead to more representative samples, which make the clustering process faster and cheaper compared to the hierarchical clustering method previously used in this domain. In conclusion, this paper presents significant advancements to the techniques used in clustering plant species. It's a breakthrough that effectively combines accuracy, computational efficiency, and statistical intuition. The potential impact on the field is huge. Improving how we cluster species optimizes the breeding process, leading to tangible agricultural advancements. Personally, it's incredible how the combination of computer science, statistics, and plant science can lead to such meaningful contributions. This is not just about academic circles, but can ultimately lead to better food security and ecological sustainability. Before we sign off, it's worth mentioning that future work in this direction could include translating the conditions of spectral clustering to plant data, experimenting with other clustering and sampling techniques, and even embracing genetic data for even more detailed clustering. There you have it, folks, a paper that showcases how modern technology can elevate an age-old practice like agriculture. Join Tom and myself next time for another deep dive into the marvels of science. Are you tired of playing guess who with your rice crops? Want to transform your patty into the Harvard of high yields? Introducing Cluster Buster, the latest in agritech, where spectral clustering meets your field of dreams. With our patented algorithm, we turn your overwhelming rice phenotypic data into a neat yearbook of the most likely to succeed species. Forget about swiping left or right. Our Cluster Buster app makes matching traits as easy as ordering fast food. Want drought-resistant crops? There's a cluster for that. Hungry for high-yield harbingers? There's a cluster for that, too. And with our Clustometer, we make counting clusters more fun than popping bubble wrap. So why settle for a blind date with destiny when Cluster Buster plays Cupid for your crops? Don't leaf your rice field to chance. With Cluster Buster, you'll get efficiency, accuracy, and together, the ultimate plant prom king and queen. Cluster Buster, where rice meets nice, genetics. Download the app and get your first spectral swipe today. Together, Cluster Buster. It's a phenom nom nom enal revolution.